Hey peeps, this is Fallon. Um, as you've kind of figured out, if you've gone back and listened to some of the older podcasts, I am doing the social media side of H2O podcast for Dave. Um, and I'm new to this world, so cut me some slack. Um, but I thought it would be interesting to actually hear Dave's own story in terms of his past and how he got involved in strength sports since he's talking to everybody else about it. He rigged me into hosting this one. So, Dave, why don't you introduce yourself? What's up, everybody? How are things? Uh, I'm going to come in here with my uh, Mammoth Dave from Mammoth Cave uh, voice. So that way it's my good radio voice for this. So, I mean, you know, I talk to everybody all the time. So what do you want to know? Well, I know you were in the military, but I don't know a lot past that. So how did you ever even wind up in strength sports? When did that start? Was it before, after, during military world? Well, I mean, I guess my, my introduction to weightlifting was... You know, in the 90s, watching the great Magnus Ver, you know, just be super dominant throughout World's Strongest Man. So you look at early and mid-90s there. Um, always enjoyed that. So at home, I had rocks, and I could pick them up, carry there them. There are many rocks in Mammoth Cave. Yeah, we had all the rocks. So I'd go down to the down to the lake, which where I grew up. Uh, you know, you could almost throw a rock and hit the lake, except there were trees in a way. Um, but, you know, I'd go down there, try to pick up the biggest boulder that I could and carry it, see how far I could go, and try to pick it up and put it overhead. And I mean, I was a, a wiry little kid. I wasn't, I wasn't very big. I was fat, but that was about it. Um, then in high school, um, you know, started playing football and doing that side of like the sports thing, but I wasn't, you know, I was never like the super popular kid in school. Um, I made some, some errors in judgment, uh, socially, which caused my life to be, uh, how do you say shitty? That's the word I'm looking for. Um, but you know, lifting weights for football, um, doing it really wrong, then getting hurt. Uh, that uh, that opened my eyes a little bit, but I still didn't know like what what the hell to do with it. I was like, oh, well, you pick up heavy things, and well, these guys are stronger than me because they're, you know, they they eat better. I was like, they get better food at home than I do, and I could identify that at the time, but I really didn't have enough knowledge about it to really do anything. So my whole goal was just how much do I weigh? How much you weigh matters because that's, that's all there is. There's the scale. That's just, that's all of that is life. Mm. Pick up the most weight and weigh the least. That's the goal. Of course, over time I've changed my viewpoint on that, of course, because being a heavyweight is the greatest thing in the world because I can eat steak and pick up heavy shit and tell you all to fuck off. So, you know, I lifted weights throughout high school, um, kind of off and on. Didn't ever really get serious about it at all. Uh, when I was 18, I left uh, two days later for basic training for the Air Force. And it was all about cardio at the time. It was, you know, can you run this two miles? Can you do these push-ups? Can you do these sit-ups? And uh, Sounds awful. Yeah, it was super. But, you know, I got to basic training. Um, I got there and we did our first run test. And I was actually in, in decent shape. Um, I could breathe so much better in Texas than I could at home where I found out something that if um, your parents are chain smokers and they never open the doors and windows in the house and your, so bad for you. your walls are yellow and you use kerosene heat, uh, you can't breathe for shit. And everybody's like, we think you have asthma. I was like, no, I don't have asthma. 
They're like, but we think you do. I was like, well, the Air Force says I don't because I told them I don't. So hopefully I can breathe more gooder when I get to the Air Force. Turns out in the first week, I hacked up a bunch of green shit and I could breathe so much better. I was like, oh, I can run. I know how to run. This is a thing. Whereas in high school, like my best mile time ever was like 730. I was running with the fat lineman. Uh, there's a terrible mile time. Like that is, there's walkers that do better than that. Like it's, it's awful. Um, so I go to basic and, you know, working out becomes a part of what we do because it's PT. So every day you're up at four thirty. Well, oh God, five. Yeah, we got at like five. We get to sleep in a little bit. You go downstairs. We stretch. We do calisthenics, and then you run for twenty five minutes for the first three weeks, and then you run for thirty minutes. That was all we had to do, and we did like Indian runs, which I guess technically is a racist term, um, but it's last man up running. That's really what it is. So you can cut the wind for the person in front of you, but you're sprinting and then jogging, sprinting, jogging, sprinting, jogging for 30 minutes. And the goal was the time they didn't care about how far you went or anything else. Cause you run around a track with 4,000 other people, you know, out of all the other squadrons that were out there, we were all running on the same track. You just had to not bump into people. That was your thing. So I would fail at that. Yeah. You're super awkward clumsy. and clumsy yeah. and you'd fall down a lot. It would be a thing. But I would enjoy watching that happen. That would be funny. So, and we fast forward a little bit, um, a year or two when I, you know, started using the gym at, uh, at our squadron. I didn't use the base gym because like, well, I can run. That's all I have to worry about. And I was actually really good at running. Uh, I got down to a five minute mile, like not five minute and 56 second mile, like five minute flat. Like I almost broke into the four minutes. I missed it by a second because it was five minutes flat and I was pissed because that's the best I'd ever run. And I just kind of wanted to keep going with that. And I was also over 200 pounds at the time because as soon as I went to tech school where I could you know run better, I was eating better because I could go eat whatever I wanted almost when I wanted. And it was fantastic. I was like, oh man, this is just a better way of living at home. You know, mom and dad, they... There was food there. It was not of any kind of quality. And that's why I don't eat a lot of the food that I grew up with that most people call comfort food. I just don't do that shit. Bologna, Vienna sausage. Nah, I'm good, bro. I'm good. Uh, cup of noodles. Nah, bro. I'm good. I ain't eating that. Also, Edmondson County has ranked nationally multiple times for the number one of students who enlist straight out of high school. There's a reason for that. Yeah, we want to get the fuck out of this county. That's why. Um, I mean, this is a great place to grow up. It really is. It's mostly safe. Um, there's not a ton of crime here. It's also just really small, and there's only so many opportunities. Yeah, and jobs are just... There's not a lot of jobs here. I mean, if you pick a trade school, you're going to Bowling Green, you go to that, then you, know, you can make it work. But I wanted to go and see the world. So that's what I decided to do. Now... I reference, you know, like seeing Maggie, um, you know, in the nineties and doing all that. It was always a, a passion of mine. I always liked it, but I never thought, well, I'm not, you know, a monster that's 350 pounds. I can't do that shit. So I get deployed to Kyrgyzstan and Kyrgyzstan is one of the most beautiful places on this entire planet. Um, it's North of Afghanistan, which is a shithole, by the way, Afghanistan is garbage, but Kyrgyzstan is lovely. 95% mountains. Most of them white-capped mountains. It's, it's the freaking Himalayas. I mean, it's 
It's awesome. But the one city where we were in is the the part that's actually uh, habitable. Um, I had a great time there. And the, um, the base gym decided to put on an event because they're like, well, you guys ain't got nothing else going on. So we're going to do a strongman event. So I talked to my boss and I was like, Hey, I, I kind of want to do this, this strongman event. Is it okay? Um, if I take a couple hours, you know, on, I think it was on like a Tuesday or something. Cause we didn't have days off at that point. I was like, can I take a couple hours and go do this thing? Like it's lifting weights. They're like, you really? Yeah. I'm going to, I want to go do this thing. They're like, okay, fine. That's, that's no biggie. So I go and I compete in it and it was, you know, very run of the mill, um, very, very much like novice class type stuff. Um, nothing like what we would see at worlds, but you know, similar in that we had all the types of events. I ended up taking third in the event. Um, third was pretty good considering I didn't work out. Like I did bench a couple of times. I like, I couldn't squat at the time. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like, this is, this is straight trash. And this is 2004, but I did that event. I was like, huh, this is pretty cool. (laughs) I'm kind of digging this. Um, so I get back to McCord and then I get sent to Korea. Now, Korea was a weird time in my life because I started my education there as far as, um, like going to school, like college. Oh, I didn't know. I gathered. Did you know that I I went to the colleges? I did. I did know. I've been there. Yeah. I just don't think I knew it was started in Korea. Yeah, that's Which seems I, an odd random location for that, but... Well, there was there was a lot of stuff to do, but there was a lot of drinking, and I did a lot of that. Somehow I took... Like, I'm assuming the college didn't go so well. No, I took like four or five classes. I oh, passed. even with all of the... Okay, well, that's good. With all the drinking, yeah. And I mean, I was drunk at least six months while I was there. Um, and that just means when the sun was down, I was probably drunk. When it came back up, I was probably still drunk. But I mean, that's fine. So I took my a lot of my classes there. Um at least to kind of get going with it because in the air force you have to take classes. And if you don't, you're considered less than. Hmm. So I go through Korea that's a year. And then I go to Italy and that's when really my fitness education really took off. And now we're talking, uh, 2006 when I get there. So that's when, you know, the education background really started. You know, I'd already had a lot of my stuff for my transportation degree, but I started going towards my, my fitness stuff. So I became a personal trainer. I started doing a little bit more with, you know, lifting and getting heavier. Um, my body weight had increased uh, quite a bit. It went up 10 pounds a year since I had gotten in in 2001. So by 2006, I'm 250 pounds. Um, but I felt good. I mean, I felt really healthy and we would go do squadron PT and, you know, my commander would look at me and go, well, you're, you're getting a little big. I was like, yeah. Let's go run. <laughs> and then I would come in first in the squadron um, almost every time. Um, I could run better than 90% of everybody that was there. And my PT scores were always really good. What did you do in the Air Force? I loaded and downloaded planes. Okay. So essentially, when you go to the airport, from curb check to you getting on the plane, everything in between there, I have done. Okay. From TSA to, you know, the... The extra security pat downs done all those to the baggage handling to the ticket sales to everything um and then also of course on the cargo side loading tanks and bombs and fuel bladders and you know pallets of stuff and cool. humvees and all that if it can if it can be moved it can be put on a plane 
and I've probably put it there. Uh, once we even put a submarine on a plane. That was kind of fun. Seems awkward. Yeah, yeah. We flew it from uh, North Carolina to Washington State so we could put it back in the water. It's like, couldn't you guys just drive this shit around? I'm like, wouldn't that be normal? But it was like, it was... Technically, a na- it would take much longer. Not really. I mean, maybe an extra day, considering they had to get it out of the water, put it onto a truck. That's true. Drive it to the base, then get it on the base, then... They- Fit it in a plane. Fit it in a plane. Yeah. And we used a C-5 Galaxy, which is the largest plane within our fleet. Um, and it had inches around it for room. And I'm inches. Like, you could not walk beside this thing down the side of the plane. It was that big. Um, but I digress. So, moving on. I'm in Italy. And I was like, you know what? I really... I'm, I'm digging this whole strongman thing. I want to keep going with it. So, I get deployed to Afghanistan... And we're in Kandahar. I went to the gym and I was like, hey, do you guys want to do one of these like strongman contests? I did this in my last deployment. Let's try it. I think it'd be kind of cool. And they're like, well, we just don't have the kind of time. We just, we're, we're not into it. We're not, we're not going to do that. Nobody, nobody has interest in this. And I was like, huh? So I started building shit. I was, I went out back, you know, for what we had as far as pallets. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to recreate everything that I've seen on TV. I'm just going to do that. And I'm making some phone calls, um, you know, throughout Europe to try to find some people that maybe could help. Um, I'm looking for like sponsors, like give stuff away, you know, whatever, whatever I can really get done. Things and I, we're still doing. Yeah. Things I'm doing now all the time. Uh, I just know everybody now, so that helps. Um, but I call to this place in Maryland and I talked to Mark Kashishan and we talked on a DSN line which probably was not legit for me to do for like two and a half hours. I mean, we taught, we broke down everything and he had been competing with a lot of the pros, um, in the early two thousands into the mids and he was competing then and he only has nine fingers. So weird that he's doing, you know, farmer's walks and, you know, stuff like that with nine fingers, but he knew Magnus for Magnuson. He knew all the, all the right people in the right places. And so I talked to him and he was kind of guiding me through on how to build some of this stuff. And I was like, look, I don't have metal. I don't have a welder here that I can use. I just have wood. He's like, okay, we'll build it this way, this way, this way, try this. So I set up this event and when we got there, um, it was a, a six month deployment. So I had about four months to get everything planned, got everything built. We ran this event and we had to do it at night because it was only 95 degrees at night. 120 during the day only yeah only 95 so it was it was nice and cool there was a breeze it was great and i even got the uh the command chief of the base to lift our clothing restrictions so we could all wear civilian clothes during the event which was a huge deal for us because when you're in uniform all day or day fuck my life you just want to wear something different like this has this has a color on it so i got some stuff sent to me um, which at the time was a little bit harder than it is now. Amazon was not all about sending everything back then. So we go through this event. Um, we did nine events over two days, which is considered to be a, like a big contest. We had uh, 36 competitors from 17 different countries. Um, that's what we had them because it was coalition base and probably 3,000 people in attendance, mm. which for today's standards for an amateur show, is a really big say, deal. That's a good deal. Yeah. That's a lot. But you know, what else was there to do on base? 
but we had, you know, generators and lights out there and we were doing it in this thing called the, uh, the peanut gallery. Um, no, it wasn't, wasn't the peanut gallery. It was the fuck. What was that place called? Oh, well, the equipment's actually still there though. Um, but we do this event of oh, the boardwalk is what it was, the boardwalk. So there's all this like, you know, wooden walkways all the way around us. There's great place for spectators, for everything else to happen. And, you know, I met some really, really cool people that liked picking up heavy shit. And I won that event probably because I knew all the equipment. I knew what the fuck I was doing and I was figuring it out because I did really, really didn't have a coach and have anybody that could be like, oh, will you lift a log this way? Like the log that I made, I carved out by hand. I had a chisel and a hammer and it wasn't a very good chisel. Um, I had no way to sharpen the chisel. So once it started getting dull, I just had to hit it harder with a hammer. Um, but I was cutting through dunnage. You know, we made a yoke that uh, the weight would change based on humidity levels. So it might add a hundred pounds to it if it was humid out because it would just soak up all the moisture because yeah. it's dry wood. Um, you know, but we tried to do everything that we could. We pulled up armored Humvees. Um, we used different types of ropes, like all the things that we did there, you couldn't recreate here because you just couldn't get that much military grade stuff. stuff. Yeah. And fun fact for everybody out there, like when Ford says, oh, we sell this new truck with military grade aluminum, you got to know something about the military. They are a lowest bidder type operation. Mm -hmm. So if it's military grade, it's probably shit because they're lowest bidder. That's how they, they operate everything. If you're the lowest bidder and you gave them a $40,000 hammer, good chance it's going to bend, but they're going to pay $40,000 for that hammer. They're not paying for quality. They pay for quantity. That's what it's all about. So we fast forward a bit. I, uh, I go back to um, Italy and I'm like, I want to do another show. So for the following year, I decide I'm going to do another show and I'm going to do it on base. I get everything done. I go through all the channels, all the things, all the stuff going on. And my commander puts the fucking kibosh on it. Not my base commander because they had already signed off on it. My squadron commander. So I had to change venues, change everything. And at the time, that's when I found out what uh, North American Strongman was. So I'd made the calls back to headquarters to go, hey, I, I want to do a, a gold level event in Italy. And I had been talking with um, Dion, who, of course, is a guest on the podcast. Um, great friend to me, um, basically family for a lot of years now. So in 2008, I flew Dion to Venice so that she could officiate this show for us. I also brought down Magnus for Magnuson from Iceland because I was like, like, why not? I mean, if you're going to have a judge, it should be one of the greatest of all time, right? So we fly him down. It ends up being a smaller show than I anticipated because of the the base not being supportive of everything. So we do it off base. We get everything going, lose some sponsors, have to pay a lot of stuff out of my pocket, cause a lot of strife with my wife, all these other things going on. And it was kind of, ugh. But otherwise, super fun event. Now, this event was recorded on VHS, um, so this dates it, like, a lot. A little bit, yeah. Anything now is on your phone. Anything back then, like, there was a large camera that was being held on somebody's shoulder. And I've seen some of the clips of that, you know, recently, and you can still see, the, like, the timestamp on the bottom left-hand corner. Like, it's it's some rough video. But, you know, the, the event went great, and I did it another larger type event. I didn't do just five. I, we bumped that one up to, like, seven events. Um, just had a lot of cool stuff and everything that I built myself or had built. 
um, trying to just make it all work. And went two days. It was fun. I had a blast. I got to hang out with Magnus for Magnuson for like a week. I mean, how cool is that? Um, so we fast forward a little bit more. Um, and after I'd you know been talking to Dion and showing my my interest in the sport and then promoting, she selected me to go to um, Natural Worlds in Hungary. Uh, and it was like uh, just a couple weeks after I'd done that event. So I'd finished first in that one. And then I go to Hungary and my eyes were opened to people that actually take this shit seriously. It's like, huh, I, uh, I need to get a whole fucking lot stronger. I really do. Uh, I mean, I competed well, it's a great event. You know, me and my wife got to go and it was, it was a great trip. Um, loved it. Met some amazing people there. One of which sick was Fosdale, um, that we went and visited in Iceland, which you guys, if you've listened to all the podcasts, which I'm sure that you have, um, that's where me and, you know, Siggy met and it was, you know, a great time. Fucking just loved it. And then we get back. I'm in Italy, get sent over to Turkey, um, where I ended up doing two shows there. Well, for the two years I was there. How long were you in Italy? Uh, Italy was three years. I tried for an extension. Again, that commander that put the kibosh on that put the kibosh on my um, extension as well because, you know, she was super sweet, nice. Because when you get married, you're supposed to get an automatic extension because I'd already had an extension. She's like, no, you don't get it. Um, I'm married an Italian. Trying to really stay here. Be super if you could just give me like one more year and then I'll rotate back to the States. Nope, you got you to gotta get out of here. So my choices were go to Korea unaccompanied for a year or go to Turkey for two years and take my family, but still was supposed to have preference for, you know, overseas locations. So I go to Turkey. We do those events again, more education throughout all these places. I'm, I'm getting more classes in. I'm doing more stuff. I'm, I'm training more. I'm learning. And we get to Turkey and the overseas lineup comes up. I got passed. The second overseas lineup comes up. I'm like, well, this has to be my window. This is when I'm going to get my overseas, um, you know, assignment because I have priority because I've been overseas. I'm at a remote location. So I get precedence over other people. That one came up and it went away. So then you get your fail safe, which is back to the States because you can always get something back to the States. Fuck is exactly what went through my head. Cause I'm like, I don't want to go back to the States. It's trash. If I go to the States, what's going to happen is I'm going to be deployed all the time. Because that's just what that's what you do at home station. So the list comes up to come back to the States. And I choose Andrews over some other locations because they were that shitty. And Andrews was probably the worst thing I could have done. Because the politics of that base were phenomenal. Just ridiculous. I was going to say, I sense sarcasm. It was straight trash. Um... There was no more taking care of each other. There was no more camaraderie. It was every man for himself. And, you know, I was a supervisor at that point. And I loved being a supervisor. Not because I wanted to boss people around. Because I liked helping these young men and women become better people. And that's what I tried to do every day. And they took that power away from me in the amount of micromanagement that they did. They didn't let me develop my airmen. So when I left the section there, like my last year, and they killed one of my airmen, 
There's no like easy way to put it. There's no like, you know, beat around the bush. I left a week later. One of my airmen was dead. Uh, and he's dead at home station. He didn't get shot. He wasn't blown up by an IUD. He got smashed by a vehicle up against the wall because the people that were operating it didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Crap. Yeah. And the people that told them to go do it were just coming into the session like, well, we got to clean this up. We got to do this. We got to, well, I got to leave my mark on stuff. I got to do it better than what Waters did it. Yeah, that's what we got to do. No, he didn't have to do that. Sunday morning, when there's nothing going on, is not necessarily the time to be super gung-ho and go clean the whole fucking place. Lighting was bad. The parking plan was terrible. Everything about Andrews was different because it was presidential. So they had all these special rules for what they did outside of what we normally did. I was like, that's wrong. We shouldn't do it that way. We should do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. Again, that's where the micromanagement stuff came in. And that's when I decided to get out of the military. Um, was after that. I was like, this is not, not going to be for me anymore. So we fast forward a bit. And, you know, I, I became a, a state chair for Washington, D.C. Um, during my time at Andrews, which was three years. Um, so I was involved in Strongman there and trying to figure it out, get, you know, work as many contests as I could. I started working with Barry Von Perkins all the time. Um, I would be his showrunner. I would go in, run the show the day of, and that way he could be on the mic. He could take care of promotional stuff, doing all the other things. But I just liked running shows. It was just something I really, I really enjoyed. And then soon after that is when I started going to help at Nationals, at the Arnold, um, and just volunteering wherever I could to go, hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of these bigger shows. Now, through all that time, I just developed better relationships with more people and better people. And I got to meet some of the coolest motherfuckers in the world. Um, and most of them I still talk to like every day or every couple days. When uh, when mom was dying earlier this year, I found out who my real friends were. And they were all in the strength community. You know, my, my friends from the military, they didn't give a fuck my mom was dying. They didn't give a shit. But all my strength friends were reaching out. They were calling me. Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, she's going through this and this. They're like, no, 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 no. How are you doing? Is anybody visiting you? Do you have everything? What's going on? And, you know, they did it very, very bluntly, very, you know, to the point. And, you know, I love them for that because it got my mind off of everything else. Um, even with, with what they were able to do, they took time out because they were all traveling around the world. They got a care package together for me. I still have the box. It sits right over there. <laughs> um, but they got me some t-shirts because they're like, I know you're not washing clothes, you smelly bastard. <laughs> and they got me some food because they're like, I'm pretty sure the cafeteria sucks. And then they went on like Google Maps and looked around uh, the med center to see what was around. And they sent me gift cards for all the restaurants around. That is pretty awesome. Just so I would go and eat. And then they sent me, you know, protein bars and cookies and other stuff so I could have something there. Because they saw what I was doing. During the day, I'd spend all my time with my mom. And then at night, I'd go spend time with dad because he was lonely. And so sleep kind of escaped me for several weeks. Um, it kind of sucked. I hate that I, 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 I speeded into that. Um, I kind of bypassed a lot there. 
Um, but there's five years in there that I really don't want to discuss with, you know, like your How sister. How did you wind? Yeah, let's not talk about that. How did you <laughs> wind up coming back to Edmondson County after being in Washington, D.C. and all over the world? So my choice to come back home um, kind of stemmed after after getting out in 2013. Um, I picked up a job in Hanover, Maryland. Um, doing transportation stuff, I was a, I was a freight forwarder, and like it was a it was an okay gig, but I I wasn't I wasn't loving it. I just I wasn't I wasn't. I have no idea what a freight forwarder does. Basically, you have a company and you ship stuff. You okay. have you have your normal ways of shipping. You take your stuff to FedEx by Friday, it gets there by Tuesday. Okay, you're good. Well, you have this one box that needs to get there now, and well, well, Joey was off, so Joey didn't send the box. FedEx guy didn't come pick it up. Well, I need it there fucking right now. You'd call Dave. And Dave would go, I got you. No problem. Just give me your wallet, and I'm going to give you back how much I think you should have. Because I'm going to get your box there on time. And they'd say, okay, as long as it gets there. So a lot of times, people would pay more for the shipping than they would for the value of their item. That's just painful. But this was a $30 million business. And it's a thing that needs to happen, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of oh shit moments when you're like, well, oh shit, I got to get that there now. And then we became very reliable for a lot of those things. Doing a lot of overseas stuff, um, you know, connexes, stuff by planes, trains, automobiles. Um, there were times that I would go pick up spices from McCormick and deliver them to a Walmart in my own car because I can make 60 bucks, so I did it. Um, so, like, that job was okay. But at the end of 2013, my brother died. And he was working for me because I had a landscaping company at the time. Um, so I was running that and working this freight forwarding company and I was, uh, still in the military up until November of that year. So I was doing all three of those things and I just finished my last degree, um, which was 90 credit hours in 15 months. So 2012, 2013 was a little hectic. Uh, How last finish it before you lost military tuition. Uh, actually they didn't pay for that. I Aww. had to pay for that myself. I got, Sad times. I fasted that shit and got a Pell Grant. And uh, the rest of it I paid out of pocket um, because, again, the military stopped taking care of people. They were like, well, uh, we can't help you. And, oh, you're planning on getting out, so we're going to stop all things. What? I, I have my tuition. Like, why don't I get? Well, you took too many credit hours because they only pay for so many. They, yeah. And because I was getting 90 in 15 and months. levels and there's all kinds of. It's a lot of dumbness. Rules. Yeah. It's stupid. Oh, you'll get free education. Sure you will. Many, many roles. Yeah. You'll get free education as long as it's in whatever the fuck they want you to do. One class at a time per semester. Then they'll pay for it. So in the course of eight years while you're in there, you can maybe get a degree. I think it's up to two. It's it's straight shit is what it is. Um, because they don't want to pay. They really don't. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, free education, free education. If you're not a full-time student, sure. But if you want to actually get stuff done and not have it drag out over 10 years, then it's it's tough and you got to pay out of pocket. So I digress. Moving on. So my brother passes away right before Christmas, and this job is just starting to fizzle. I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. So I leave that job. I go to the Arnold in March because, well, I want to go to the Arnold. I go and it's fantastic. It's great. Um, 
Um, everything, you know, works out well on that trip. And then I get back and of course the job's gone. So cost of living in Maryland is absolutely retarded. So I made the conscious decision, shut down landscaping, stop with all of that, come back home, start over, spend time with mom and dad. Um, so in 2014, I decided pack up all my shit. I had zero dollars because a lot of bad things happened during that time. It's also the time I got divorced and all my bank accounts got drained. I was making great money landscaping and it was all gone. Like it would come in and it would go out just as fast as it got there. I was like, how the hell? I think I made $160,000 2013. Mm. And I got nothing to show for it. I still have my truck and my trailers. That's about it. And the truck I didn't buy. I bought that like when I was in McCord back in, you know, 1900s. Um, so I come home and I was like, okay, it's time to get back into strongman again, start doing it. And because I was now in Kentucky, nobody knew who the fuck I was anymore. I had been doing these shows overseas. You know, I competed so many other times. I was doing all the stuff on the East coast and I come over here and I was like, who's this Dave guy? I was like, what? I have to rebuild this again. <laughs> Fuck. So I start working. I start, you know, promoting shows, getting what I can. My first show in Kentucky, I had 15 competitors. And I rented out a ball stadium that cost me $2,700. So clearly, 15 competitors did not pay for that. Nope. Uh, old Dave paid for that shit out of his pocket. Um, so the second year, we did it. And I was like, oh, we got we got 30 now. We doubled. Okay, that's good. Still didn't pay for it. Not even close. So I paid a lot out of pocket. Um, then the third year came around and I finally got to the point. I was like, oh, good. We got 50, I think 51 people. Okay, good. It finally paid for itself. I think I made $200 on the whole event. After planning it for a year, getting the venue, doing all the other things, I finished with like $200. So that was a huge profit for me after, oh, yeah. after losing thousands the, the two years before. And so I decided to start doing Mammoth, which is my winter show. And the only reason I did was because there was no show in the winter. You know, there's already six other shows in Kentucky anyway, a year, which is way too many. But we all fill them up. And the winter show, I was like, well, let's let's call it, where am I from? Mammoth Cave? Mammoth Dave from Mammoth Cave. So we named it Mammoth. Um, and it was just supposed to be like a small show, you know, nothing major. I had a, a free venue. I was like, all right, cool. We can do this. In a tiny gym. Well, not a tiny gym. Oh, well, I mean, Total Fitness was actually pretty big. It's a pretty big gym. Yeah. So, like, but compared to the other venues. Compared to the other venues, it's, it doesn't compare. Yeah. But for a normal thing, I was like, this is going to be a small show. 30 people will be good. So I get 30 people. We do that show there. And the show goes great. Everything's fine. Um, I have it out with the owners because they're, um, for lack of a better word, cunts. Um, they were very cunty. I'm sorry. I just don't like that word. Anyways. What, what cunt? Yes, continue. What? Cunt you not hear that word? It's, it's a good word. It's a good I can word. throw things at you. You could, but there's not a lot for you to throw. There's your laptop, and that's about it. Or, you would not do that to Dr. Pepper. 
that's blasphemy. You just wouldn't do that. So <laughs> we start Mammoth, and then you know I was like, well, you know, Mammoth is actually a pretty good show. I I enjoyed it. So I found a new venue at Western Kentucky University uh, with the help of uh, my 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 good friend here, Fallon. She's like, hey, what about this thing? I was like, sure, let's find out how much it costs. You were like, I, I think it's going to cost too much. I'm pretty sure. So I called Lindsay out there. She's still there. She's fucking great people. And she told me what the price was for the day. And I was like, is that for like just the the lobby or, or what is this? And no, it was 850 bucks for the whole thing for the whole day. Yep. It seats like 4,500 people. Yep. Um, they do many things there at the Ag Expo. Yeah. It's a great venue. Um, and we were able just to kind of get in on the first week of January. And I was like, oh, well, let's try this. And then that second year of Mammoth, we had 80 people signed up. Uh, 27 of them didn't show up because we had a winter storm in North Carolina. We had an epidemic of shoulder injuries out of Indiana and Michigan. And then we had um, a few other things happen, like locally. Bunch and then of it sickness. snowed. <laughs> and then we had record low temperatures. It was like less than 10 degrees. So cold. So cold in that venue. And the heaters work. So it was it was kind of rough. But the, the show went on. We had a bunch of things going on, and it was great. And then last year, we did it again at the same venue. And we had 110 people sign up. And then we brought in Highland Games. And we brought in... Uh, Lots of people in kilts. I highly recommend the Highland Games. Lots of fun. Yeah, always a good time, you know, and that's kind of where where it's went. And then, you know, my summer show kind of took a back seat for a second, and now we're we're back coming up right back around for this winter show again, and it's phenomenal. I mean, I I absolutely love it. Now, the thing to keep in mind though is since 2014, I've probably been at 30 shows a year, and that's helping doing scores, doing loads. Um, judging, you know, being at nationals, being at worlds, whatever I could do to be around strongman, I am um, because I love the sport and I love the people. That's really what it's all about. Like if the people sucked, if they were like they aren't CrossFit, I would have fucking jumped ship a long time ago. Because then people are just rude. Um, I mean, I have some friends that do CrossFit and they're okay, but they still do CrossFit. That's like you meeting an author and they're like, yeah, I write, um, you know, crayon books. You're like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what that is. So, I mean, that all kind of transpired. And I don't see me ever leaving Kentucky because, you know, I, I told you about the, the whole thing with my mom and, you know, her passing this year and everything else going on. I don't see dad having a lot more time. Um, I know it's kind of morbid to say, but he's he's 66 and... He's like 460 pounds and he don't want to lose weight and he doesn't want to get up and fucking move. And cognitively, he's still there. He can sit here and have a podcast, be on the podcast with us. And you'd never know that he's damn near a fucking vegetable. And it sucks because I'm watching him kind of, he's not wasting away. He's just blowing up before he blows out. Kind yeah. of deal. So I'm probably going to stay in Kentucky because I mean, it's, it's really cheap to live here. It is, yep. Mm-hmm. You can make thirty grand here and be high on the hog, mm-hmm. versus the hundred sixty grand that I made in Maryland, and I was poor. Like I did, there were some nights I didn't eat. Like I didn't, I did not eat food. I was like, I can't get it. I don't have any money. I'd get a, I get a ten thousand dollar check, and it'd be gone. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like I didn't gamble. I wasn't drinking. Nothing. It would just, 
go to all the expenses, the fuel and then insurance and everything else that I had going on. It was gone. I was like, this fucking sucks. So I moved back here. I'm happy with my 30 grand a year. It's totally fine. I still get to travel the world. I get to do all the things I want to do on my own dime. Now, unless you guys want to help me out on Patreon, I'm just saying, for the H2O cast, you can absolutely do that. Which is linked on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, yes it is, because Fallon took care of that, because I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. So, if you guys want to help to where I can travel a little bit more, then that would be great. But, I mean, otherwise, just enjoy the podcast. That's all I really want you to do, is listen to the podcast and enjoy it. If you feel like you want to donate something, then I'm not going to tell you no. But, I feel like that kind of covers the why the fuck did I come back to Kentucky. Um, life is just better here. Really, I've, I've been to a lot of fucking cool places. A lot of cool places. And this is still my favorite. It really is. So yeah, essentially, I just... I don't really want to leave Kentucky. Like I do on the weekends for sure. I like, I love going places. All the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this year was see the trips that I took. Florida, Iceland, Florida, Florida Georgia, Canada. Virginia, Canada, Iceland. See, when I say I'm fast like that, it feels like I didn't go anywhere. I need to go to more places. Oh, we did Michigan too. Michigan was fun. Um, we, not, we did that podcast with uh, Janae Marie. That mm. was that might be one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done. Like, really, it is. Out of all the ones, and we've we've done some really cool ones so far. Yeah. My uh, my year is a recap. That conversation with Janae Marie was pretty fucking epic. She is a really, really cool person. Um, and can't be hired to speak at events. However. Yeah, but the thing is, though, She's fucking cool, man. I mean, no matter what your viewpoint is, if you just listen, you're better because of it. Yeah. Like after after everything, because when we went, we I asked like some of the shitty questions about the whole transgender world. Like, how many fucking genders are there? And it's it's a hard question to ask because you know so many people get so butthurt about everything, and so you don't want to ask any questions. Yeah. You want information but you're expected to know. Like, I'm expected to know that I'm supposed to call somebody Zer. I, I don't even know what a fuck a Zer is. So how am I supposed to know that? And the way that she breaks it down, it's just much more palatable. You can actually, like, okay, just treat people like, like fucking people. And what I use And also, 99% of them are perfectly fine with you saying, hey, what pronoun do you want me to use? Yeah... It's going to be tough for me to ask those questions. I'm just going to go with a name. What's your name? That's fine, too. And then when I refer to that person, that person is a name. But typically, anybody who's super butthurt about all things all the time, I don't really hang out with. Mm-mm. I just don't. Um, you're the only snowflake I really hang out with a lot. <sighs> <laughs> and that sigh of derision um, is usually like the worst thing that she ever does so it's okay like it's not bad she doesn't ever get violent with me or anything i'm not a violent person no but many of your brethren are antifa i am not that and you can stop relating me to it now hey blue is their color just saying they're not they're not a red people they're a blue people i'm not a blue or a red person 
I am me. But mostly blue. Whole lot of liberal. But it's okay. In in any case. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm here. That's probably why I'm staying here. What else you got? What else do I have? Well, what would be the one thing you would tell somebody who wants to start strength training or has some kind of interest in the sport but isn't sure where to start? Put the time in. They've they've got to just get time on the bar. That 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 really has to be the paramount thing. Um and there's so much information that's out there that's free. But I've got to say because the way that I developed my information and and learned what I was doing, get a coach and stay the fuck off YouTube. Um because these YouTube warriors they're not ideal. Um they watch a video on YouTube and they're like, oh, well, I, I can be a trainer now. I I, well, I can do that. That's so easy. Maybe check out the credentials of YouTube people because some of them are legit. Some of them, yeah, but don't get your coaching off YouTube. Get your coaching from a live, in-person coach. Now, that's not to say that online coaching is, is not bad. I'm not saying that it is, but there's a lot of pretenders out there. It usually is in everything. Yeah. So, you know, get a coach who's reputable who has a lot of references. Um, a lot of other people that are in the same sport that say, Hey, this person knows what the fuck they're talking about. You know, do your research, see if they, they have their credentials, see if they have their degrees, see if they have, you know, the certifications, see pictures and, and video of, of their certificates. Now, if that's not a thing they can afford yet, what can they do in the gym to just kind of get started to test it out and see if this is something they want to put money into? Well, you're going to get back exactly what you put into it. So for somebody who just wants to, you know, go and get fit, then you can afford the the little things of a trainer. You can do a PT at your, at your local gym. Who's typically, if they're working at a reputable gym, they have their credentials and they'll be able to train you to get kind of what you want. But if you're doing that, usually your goal is look better, feel better. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what you're going for. You're not really goal oriented. Um, but you know, in order to, to stay healthy, I got to quote Stan Efforting. If you want to be healthy, don't compete because competing puts your body at a different level. Um, it sets you up for injuries, all the injuries, all the things. Yeah. And, but really with, with injuries, as long as you're intelligent about your training and what you're doing and you, you limit the amount of steroids you take, um, injuries won't happen nearly as much as you think. Um, I've been injured more getting in and out of car than I have ever doing strongman. And I've got way more hours in strongman than I do getting in and out of a car. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's when I tweak knees. That's when I throw a back out. It's I slept wrong this week, so my back has been shit. It <laughs> wasn't because of deadlifting, because I haven't deadlifted in three weeks. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, lifting the heavy weight that hurt me. It's the other 23 hours of a day. And that's what a lot of people... They don't necessarily pay attention to the rest of their day. You know, you have back issues. I do. All the time. Yeah. And I see you a lot. And I'm like, man, I really just wish you'd straighten up. I'm trying. You do, but. I know I have horrid posture. But you fall into these. And I'm just, I'm using you as an example because I can see you here right now. Um, but you fall into these, these patterns. And. 
you know, for me being in the military, they, they taught you posture, how to stand up straight, how to pop your fucking chest out, how to keep your shoulder blades back, you know, how to keep your head up, not look at your phone all the time. Um, and that's where a lot of it, you know, really comes from. And with like our generation now, I see chiropractors going through the roof because the position you were just in where you were looking down at your phone that puts so much more pressure on your neck and spine and on your lower back, it just, it screws you up. But look around. Everybody's We're like that. We're all doing that, yeah. I'm I, a really good chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, I do. I have some really good chiropractors. They they work with me. It's in within Strongman and other strength sports. But a lot of the stuff that they're doing, it's not, you know, sport-related injuries. It's stuff that they do all the fucking time anyway. Yeah. Because they get home and they, they lounge around and they don't, they don't care. They eat like crap. Or, you know, those other 23 hours in a day are vital. And if you're only sleeping four hours, you're doing yourself a disservice. You are wasting your time. If you can train for three hours, but only sleep for four, you need to take them three hours you were training and sleep. Yeah. Because that recovery is going to be way more important to you than the three hours of tearing your body down to nothing. And you're not giving it enough time to repair itself anyways. Exactly. And if you're working out for three fucking hours, you're doing something wrong. You're not doing it right. It should not take you three hours to get in and out of the gym. If you're doing that much cardio, um, ultra marathon runners, uh, no, no, the the, uh, the absolute top of the top of the elite work out that much because they have to get so many body parts in. If you're an amateur, just focus on getting stronger. Just pick up the heavy weight and put it down. Okay. But having a trainer and having a coach, super super important, because um, you need somebody who knows more than you do. Yeah. Because if you're new into this, you're going to make those first-timer mistakes. And that coach will help prevent you from making those terrible mistakes so early on. Um. So I know that you mentioned I've gotten to know more people, right? So now you're well-connected. One of the things I often tell my students, especially going into their careers, is network. Networking mm-hmm. will get you further than a lot of other things that you will do because it's the way the world works. So what advice or kind of things could you speak to that? Well, with networking and, you know, in strength sports in general, who you know is absolutely paramount. If you know the right people, you can ask the right questions. If you can ask the right questions to get the right answers, then you're better for that. Um, you know, just resting on laurels and saying, well, I do this, I'm this, I'm this great person. Fuck, that's cool, man, but who else knows it? Like, who else is who else is out there? Now, speaking as a promoter, I have to talk to people all the time. I don't even necessarily want to talk to people all the time, but I have to be out there. I have to be on social media and I have to, you know, hit people up. Hey, do you know about this contest coming up? Hey, have you heard about Mammoth? Have you heard about Iron Warrior? You know, do you know about these things? And I have to try to sell and I'm always selling. So I've kind of determined that I could probably sell ketchup popsicles to one white gloves on a hot summer day who has tomato allergy. Um, her give me her wallet and I give her back how much money I think she should have. Uh, that's not necessarily a problem for me. I've sold ice to Eskimos, fucking the sun to people in Africa. So I can, I can make those things work. But man, it's fucking tiring. It mm-hmm. really is. But again, the, the people that you know make that life much, much easier. So get to know people, but don't just, how I'm, I'm Dave, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. No. Hey, you're Fallon. Hey, so what do you do? What are you into? What kind of things are you doing 
that make your life better. Oh, cool. Take what you can from that and move on. But remember meeting that person. Because if you just meet 100 people and you only remember three of them, well, did you do anything? Did you really accomplish anything there? Yeah. Was that networking positive for you or just a big fucking waste of time? And that's the other part of it. Anybody who's negative that's in your life, get them out. That's straight trash. There's nothing that's that comes good or that, that is good comes out of negative people. They're just not. They're a, they're a cancer. So I always look at myself as being extremely fortunate because I know so many great, great people. And the reason is I don't know any bad people. I don't deal with them. If you're fucking negative, I'm out, man. If I'm scrolling through Facebook and I'll see a, a post that's either way too far left or way too far right. I do this for the people on the right too. Just so you don't give me that, that look. Don't you look at I'm me. I'm just as, thinking you totally don't follow my Facebook. I do. But here's the thing. Here's my rule. If I find something that I really don't like and I think it's a bunch of bullshit, I'll go to that person's profile and I'll read the last three things they posted. If the last three things are the same jargon, bullshit, crap, unfollow. We'll stay friends. But I'm not going to follow you anymore. I'm not going to look at the bullshit you have to say. But if you want to message me, you absolutely can. If you want to talk to me, then hey, you know what? I'm People are people. Yeah. And people can change their viewpoints and things can happen. But nobody's ever changed their viewpoint based on Facebook. I've never went to Facebook and been like, you know, I think fuck, Hillary might be a good person. No, never fucking one time. Not going to happen because that bitch is a cunt. I've met her. She's a terrible, terrible person. Like, in her heart and in her soul, she's just awful. I don't think she has a heart. I think she's like Men in Black, where there's that little that little bitty guy that lives in her head and is controlling all of her stuff because she's a monster. Um, but yeah, with, with networking itself, it's really about the quality connections you can make. And if you've got somebody who's negative, get rid of them. Be it a spouse... A child. I mean, really, <laughs> anybody who's negative, just just cut them out of your life, man. You don't okay. you don't need no that. cutting your tiny children out of lives. Well, if they grow up to be larger children and they're still negative, then you can maybe cut them out at that time. So, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment is brought to you by Bullstrong. Bullstrong is an apparel company started by a good, close personal friend of mine. Named Bull. Now here I'm here to tell you about what Bull Strong really is. Bull Strong's a mentality. It's a belief that you can do anything. You train your mind as hard as you have your muscles. You believe in yourself and you know your own potential. You're the type of person who stands up for what you believe in. You do what you say and no one doubts it. To be truly Bull Strong, the word quit is not in your vocabulary. If you're listening to this and you instantly thought that fits your description... And support our brand. Proclaim to the world that you are indeed Bull Strong. You can access Bull Strong on Facebook. Just go and search Bull Strong. He'll pop right up. You've got Bull Strong Apparel. It's bull-strongapparel.com. To put it simple, Bull Strong is a company that don't suck. So yeah, with with people in your life, just... 
you know, make smart choices. And that comes down to a whole lot of it's like toxic spouses. Um, you can't have somebody toxic in your life. And I'm not making that reference for like the two people that have been the biggest part of my life the last, you know, 15 years. It's just, if it ain't working, it ain't working. And you've got to move on and, you know, make yourself better. I coined the phrase ATP. I say it all the time. Always think positive. Because there's two ways to tell every story. And most folks tell it the negative way. Oh man, I was caught in traffic and this and this and this happened. And fucking my day was this. And then was, the mall was all crowded. And I'm like, or um, you didn't have to do any speeding. You got to see a lot of a lot of people around you that were enjoying the Christmas spirit of going out and buying gifts and presents for their loved ones and their families. And then, you know what? While you're in the mall, you got some good deals. Uh, some stuff you got to do a lot of walking around a lot of extra walk around because the fat people in front of you were slow and you had to go around them so you're getting extra cardio in you're getting extra steps in you're getting healthier it was a good day yes christmas shopping is a great add-in to my exercise routine we'll go with that yeah there you go see look at how much more exercise you've gotten because of christmas shopping it's been fantastic um so really you just gotta try to look at it as the best way you can i drive a lot for work and for traveling, I'm always behind the windshield. So I could just say, well, fuck, I hate driving. No, well, you just take gas pumps. People at gas pumps. <laughs> and they don't know how to use them. So we'll go ahead and reference this real, real quick. So I made a post. And it was, why I hate degens. And I what think is a degen? A degenerate. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what a degen is. No, my brain was going straight to some generation that had a name that I did not know yet. So, oh, okay. It's not like Generation X or Y or Millennials. It. It's not. It's just people that really have no concept of other people around them. And it was kind of a negative post, but I did it for fun. We bit, yep. But I had enough time to sit there and type all that out while I was waiting for that <laughs> motherfucker to come out and pay for his gas. <laughs> so let me give you the whole rundown of it. I'm pulling up to this gas station. And I know where the gas station is, and I'm I'm like sucking on fumes in the truck. And I'm in the work truck. So I've got this big dually I'm driving and a 34-foot trailer behind me. Doesn't turn super great. Parking lots I have to really plan for. It's like trying to take a semi anywhere. But I have to fill up at regular gas pumps because there's no truck stop where I was. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting regular gas in this truck. So I know which pump I need to go to. So I pull in the parking lot. I see the pump is open. I'm like, okay, good. So I have to go all the way around all the pumps to be able to pull around to where I can get to the left side. I can't just whip it in there and back it up. 34-foot trailer doesn't just turn on a dime. So I'm pulling around there, and this little car just jumps in front of me. And I'm like, okay, this guy must be in a hurry. I'm trying to be ATP about it. Hey, this guy's in a hurry. He's going to knock this out. I'll get gas. No problem. No big deal. So I'm sitting there, and I'm... I'm so worried that I'm going to run out of gas. I turn the truck off. I'm like, I'm going to run out of gas. I don't want to push this. It's heavy. No. So I'm sitting there. And the guy, he gets out of his car. And he, he closes the door. He locks his car. I'm like, well, that's odd. Why would you lock your car? And then he, he walks to the front of his car. And, and he stops. And he turns around. And this is all real time as I'm describing this. He turns around. He looks up. And I can see he's looking at the number for the pump. I'm like, oh shit, this guy's going to go prepay. Fuck. Hopefully he's going to run in there real quick and just come back out. And he walks to the front of his car and then instead of going straight like between the pump and the car of the ones in front of him, 
he goes on the outside of that car and walks all the way around. Doesn't take the shortcut through the pumps, you know, like normal people would. And I see him just loot the doot the doo as he's walking up there, just kind of like whistling Dixie, whatever he wants to do, or mariachi. I mean, whatever it is, but you know, you jump to that conclusion on what he is. And uh, he goes in the store. Fifteen minutes goes by. Did this guy fucking fall in, or he's in line? Okay, he must have got his stuff. He must have went got a drink like maybe a sandwich or something, maybe a cup of coffee. And he's in line. He's going he's gonna to prepay for his gas. And he's going to come back out here. He's going to pump his gas. He's going to leave, right? That's what's going to happen. No. He comes back out. He's not carrying anything. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, he didn't get anything. Must have been a long line. ATP, you know. And you know what? He's, he's going to hustle and do this. He goes to his car. He unlocks the car. He opens the car door. He gets inside of his car. He's in there a few minutes, moving around. I'm like, man, you gonna pump that gas or, or uh, you know, do something? He gets out of his car. He closes the door. He locks it again. I'm like, wait, where the fuck is he locking it? <laughs> then he goes to the little gas door and he opens it. I'm like, oh, good, he's he's gonna get gas now. This is, whoo, we're gonna get moving. He goes over to the pump and he looks at it, I'm like it's the first time he's ever seen a fucking gas pump in his life. <laughs> Or he's illiterate. I'm not sure. He grabs the gas pump. He's got the handle in his hand. He's looking at it. I'm like, dude, let's move it or lose it here, sister. Come on, let's go. And I'm starting to lose my shit. I'm sitting inside the truck. The wind is up. And I'm starting to vocalize what I'm seeing. (laughs) Dude, hurry the fuck up. Come on, let's go. I got shit to do. So he takes the handle and he puts it in his car and he pushes the button and I see him it's cheap gas I'm like okay man we all get cheap gas that's cool let's go and get this done he puts ten dollars in I was like okay ten bucks really that's all you could afford was like three gallons of fucking fuel that's all you could get that, that's it okay and then he takes the handle and he puts it back in the gas pump and he closes the little lid and he opens his car and he gets in it and I'm like oh good he's gonna pull out and I see the brake lights come on where he's pushing on the foot pedal. I was like, oh, he's going to start the car. He's going to leave, right? No, 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 no. The, the brake lights go off. And he gets out of the car. And he locks it. And he walks back in the store. And at this point, I'm losing my shit. Absolutely just fucking losing it. Ten minutes later, he walks back out. He's got a bag. He went in, got him a sandwich and a drink and a cup of coffee. And he sets his coffee up on top of the car. He opens his car up and he gets in it. I'm like, man, you left your fucking coffee on top of the thing. He opens the door. He gets out of his car. He grabs his coffee. He gets back into the car. (laughs) Then he starts it. Now, he's got enough room in front of him to just pull out. Just turn to the right and just go around this car in front of him. Does he do that? No. No, no. He backs up as close to me as he possibly can. Because I'm right behind him trying to wait to get fuel. He He can see me. He looked at me in the eyes and he backs up and he keeps backing up and he keeps backing up. I'm like, dude, are you going to fucking hit the truck? Like, don't, don't do that. For the love of God. Don't, don't hit this. I know you don't have insurance. Don't hit the truck. And he backs up and he backs up and backs up. He's like Austin Powers is trying to inch it. And I can see he's got about 10 foot in front of him. I can see it from where I'm at. I'm like, dude, you've got a full car like ahead of you. And he turns to the right and he goes. 
And at this point, I'm shaking in the truck. I'm I'm so mad. So I start the truck and I pull up and I get out. I get my my little card out. Bloop. Type in the mileage. Type in my account number. Get gas. Get seventy bucks worth of gas, and I'm out of there in five minutes total time. After I sat there for thirty five minutes waiting for this idiot. I have to say, it would also make me angry. <sighs> that would... I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. So the DGEN convention that was going on at that gas pump at that particular time <laughs> was pretty fucking ridiculous. So I steal the term DGEN from my very famous show called Letter Kenny, which you should probably watch. Great show. Canadian humor. Super good. Mm. Super good. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I even with me trying to think positive all the time, shit like that happens. But moving on, I got a funny story out of it now. You do? So I'm going to ATP the shit out of that and, you know, make the story a little bit better. Kind of, you know, work on it like kind of like a comedy routine, you know, see what's good, see what's fat, see what I need to get rid of, you know, cut it here, add something there. So as these go on, you know, it'll, it won't morph completely, but you know, I'll, I'll tighten it up and it'll be good. But you know, that's just one more life experience that I'll have. That's a little bit more fun. And I can share it with people. Don't let anybody cut in front of you at the gas pump. <laughs> Never do that. Just take that gas pump for yourself and get it. And get her done. So. I'm just, yeah. I, I remember I even Googled DJ and couldn't figure out what it was. <laughs> I, I am sad to admit that right now. But, like, I teach the generations mm -hmm. to my students. So, like, I just, I was like, what the crap is he referencing? And I said it more than, like, six times Probably, in the post, too. Yeah. yeah. I, it was all about the degens. But, yeah, degenerates. That's all it is. Good to know. Good so, to know. Yeah. When I see somebody who's acting, you know, a little outside of the norm, I'll ask him, is there a fucking degen convention in town? Because what, what are you doing? You're just kicking your, your sweaty boots off there? What's what's going on? DJ convention going on here? We don't do that here. What's, that's not at Sam's Club, bro. You don't, you keep your boots on. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. But, you know, in this part of the world, you'll see a lot of that kind of fun entertainment stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like I work a lot of security for um, like college parties and stuff. And that's a bunch of DJs. I'm here to tell you. Here's Here's the grossest thing that I've found. Um, girls in college are probably the most disgusting human beings I've ever met. So Sean used to clean bathrooms in Walmart many, oh. many, many years ago. And he was adamant that women were just much more disgusting than men ever were. This is true. I'll tell you why. So these girls, they, they get ready and they get all dolled up because they're going to go out on the town, right? They're going to mm -hmm. go to the bar. They're going to go to this party. It's going to be fantastic, right? They go out and they got their cute little dress on with their little little, little jacket thing, a little purse, and their, their shoes that hurt a lot. And they get to the bar and they have a couple of drinks. And then they realize those shoes fucking suck. They're not comfortable. They're high heels. But they're wearing them because they want to stick their ass out because they want to attract a male member, right? That's what they're looking for. Or others. Or others. Yes, this is always possible, you know. Sexuality is a fluid thing. Um, but they're trying to attract something, right? Because <laughs> they want to stick their ass out. That's that's why they... Hi, there's no other reason for high heels. Name me one other good reason for high heels other than making your ass stick out farther than it should. They're just sexy. Yeah. 
ass out. That's what that means. That, that's what it's all about. So these girls take their shoes off because their feet now hurt. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. But they don't have another pair of shoes with them. So now they're in the bar, which when you think of any bar you've ever been to, is the floor somewhere that you mm-hmm. want to like hang out? No, it's not. So they're walking around barefooted. And then they get drunk enough they can walk around outside on the sidewalks and through the streets where there's, you know, oil and gross shit. And, well, we do live in Kentucky where you could have fertilizer in the road at any time. So you could be just walking in pure cow shit. No problem. Then they go to these frat parties. Or horse. Ooh, yeah. That's always a possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then they go to these frat parties where the floors are sticky. I've never been to a frat house where the floors weren't sticky. I don't know why they're sticky. It's like... Really don't want to know. It's like they mop with syrup. They're that sticky. Like you could lose a shoe. Or they just don't clean at all. Also that. But either way, you'd think that's gross, right? So at the end of a night like this, would you... Like if you're wearing sneakers, would you go home and just crawl into bed with your sneakers? Into your sheets? No, but I'm assuming they pass out. Right. So these girls, they get home and they pretty much pass out. They crawl into their beds. You think they wash their feet first? That was not part of this life. Oh, no. They don't wash their feet first. They don't do it. So they're just taking those nasty staph infection having feet. And they slide them into their bed. And you think the next day, you think they're like, you know, I was drinking last night. I I should probably just change my sheets and wash them. No, No, they don't. They don't. They don't change them for weeks because they're gross humans. (laughs) They're disgusting. Disgusting. I'm sure men do equally disgusting things. I don't walk around barefooted at bars, I'm here to tell you. Well, you might as well. Men get to wear comfy shoes all the time. There's nothing that says you guys can't wear I I've never once looked at a girl and went, man, she's hot. But God, if she would just take off those sneakers. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, hold me back. No, never one fucked up. If y'all want to wear something sensible, just wear something sensible. It's okay. The little dresses, stuff like that, that's all cool. Like I'm, I'm down for all of that. But wear shoes you can wear all night. Don't wear some fucking stripper heel, fucking eleven inch stilettos, because you think that we. I, I don't give a shit. I really don't. No guy anywhere has ever said, you know. Most of the time, it's not for you. It's just for us. Yeah, I would fuck her, but man, she ain't wearing high heels. So I'm out. I'm out. That's it. Look, I'm going down the river. No, no guy has ever said that ever. Never one time. And if he did, he's probably gay. I doubt that too. No guy has ever said that. I'm, I, we can't We can't be together. You don't wear high heels. Just can't do it. That's no, me- I meant the guy being gay statement. I mean, if he does say something like that, then there's something wrong with him. <laughs> Mentally, somewhere, there's something wrong with him. But I'm just saying. So... But yeah, I don't know how we ended up on gross, disgusting. Oh, DJs. Yeah, that's how. Yeah. So college girls, gross, disgusting people. Absolutely. And I don't think that their hygiene gets any better when they get out of college either. Not from what my husband says, no. No. Well, they're at Walmart. So, I mean, that is like DGN headquarters. To be fair, every women's bathroom I've ever been in for the most part unless it's just an extremely clean establishment it has not been great so are you one of are you a hover no you're a sit down mm-hmm. you're just like fuck it yeah it's, it's gonna be wet i wipe 
Oh, you wipe it first. With, do you use the John Wayne toilet paper they provide, or do you have your own wipes? No. Like your disinfectant wipes. I'm not that bad yet. Yet. That's pretty gross. So you use the John Wayne paper? Yes. You know what John Wayne paper is, right? The stupid, cheap crap paper. It's rough. It's tough. It don't take shit off nobody. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Um, but, yeah, so you're, you just sit. Hmm. What if you're at, like, a gross place? I just won't use the bathroom. You can just hold it like that? What if you're like a concert? Not as much as I used to. I haven't been to a concert. What? In the only concert. What are you, 11? I've ever been to was the Weird Owl concert at Skypack. That's a pretty clean place. Yep. I gotta say, that's the bathrooms are pretty well taken care of there. Really? You've never. No cut. Con- Why? I don't know. We gotta fix that shit. We gotta get you some concerts. There's good concerts. I mean, not ever a thing my parents could afford to take me to. And then it was not a thing we could really afford to do. Nothing was anything my parents could afford to do that I do now. Like nothing. And but then I do all those now things. I have a tiny child. So there's a lot of arranging. Yeah. And babysitters and stuff. Yeah. So that makes it. Yeah. And then you get like phone calls from him where he's like, you need to come home. Like, right, meow. Yeah. Like you got a few minutes ago. Yeah. 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 Like that one. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like a just terrible human. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet when I was growing up, if my mom was gone, uh, I just had to uh, wait till she gets back. That was my option of, yeah, just hang out. He's full. I fully no, admit it. <laughs> not at all. I've met this child. He's definitely rotten as hell. Yeah. This is just purely rotten. That's, that's it. But. Yeah. But he's so. adorable and a good little human. So. Jury's still out on the good. He's For a five-year-old, he's a good little human. He is a little human. Yes, I will give you that. He's absolutely <laughs> a little human. 100%. He is a small human. For sure. The good, the jury is out. There's... Well, this will make you happy. So, apparently, he has heard someone say, damn it, somewhere. Yes. This is his new favorite thing to say, which he's getting in trouble for a lot. Damn it. Does he say it like when he's playing a video game? He's like, damn it. I'm pretty sure that's how he heard it. Yes. Because there's um, another little kid he plays with who I'm pretty sure was saying it. Um, yes. I'm excited. So, yeah. So he came down the hall being like, damn it, damn it, damn it. It's <laughs> just like, Sander. Like so. that must have been a really good video game he was playing. Damn no, it. it was something wasn't working. I don't even remember. So, yeah, we're having talks. Oh, good. So, but he's got the context down. He's got the oh, purpose. He definitely has context I mean, and purpose. The kid knows language. He can. He uses words in the right manner once he hears them. He'll ask questions, and then he uses words correctly. You're fucked. So, <laughs> I should hang out with him more. No. Why not? You shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could teach him so many cool things. I'm like the best uncle ever. I'm telling you. I fit into that. Um, what would you call it? The. Uh, the bad influence, Uncle. Uh huh. I got that down. I'm aware. I'm I'm good at it. Like, like really good. I went and visited um, an old Air Force buddy of mine. He was actually like the best man at my wedding. Like, the first like real real friend I ever had. Um, I went and visited him in St. Louis uh, like two weeks ago, and I got to meet my nephew for the first time. And man, that's a cool little dude. <laughs> I like him. And I was teaching him stuff. Oh Lord. And my buddy would just look at me. And just put his hand over his face and be like, oh, God. Why'd I invite him here? Yeah. He's like, I have to reteach him that now. I was like, that's right. He's like, but hey, 
You've got that weird uncle thing going for you. You've got that shit down. I was like, that's right, I do. So I was teaching him stuff like, you know, bros before hoes. You know, the things that, that young children's minds <sighs> should be able to comprehend. Uh-huh. Just, you know, the good things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I taught him what a POS was, which was Aye. great. Yeah, because like, I drove my car there, which I paid 500 bucks for my car. It's cheap, right? And he's talking about his Lexus that he has. I'm like, oh, dude, that's fucking, that's awesome. That's a really good car. I was like, my POS, dude, it's like this and this and this. Mm. And then um, Alexander comes up. And good thing. It, right? It's also my son's middle name, so that's weird. Um, so he comes up and he's like, can I see your POS? I was like, <laughs> yes. And I look over my buddy. He's like, ah, shit. Because <laughs> he has to explain that to his, his wife's from Kyrgyzstan. So he has to explain the term to his wife and why it's bad and then correct his child. And I'm like, this is great. This is so good for me. Like, I'm going to teach him all the things. Oh, Lord. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I was was excited. So I didn't get to hang out for as long as I wanted to. I only got like a day and a half over there. Um, But I'm going to travel back. It's only like five hours. And it's St. Louis. It's not. It's only like the 10th. I want to go to that zoo. It's only like the 10th deadliest city in the world. It's, It's totally fine. Just stay out of the right neighborhoods. The, the drive there is like super easy. Yeah, it's go. And up. then as soon as I get off the interstate, it was utterly terrifying. Where did you get off the interstate at? Um, I couldn't even to tell. I was right beside the um the arch. The arch. Oh yeah, bad place to be. That's not a good neighborhood. The convention I was going to was like right down the street, and the hotel was right across the river from the arch. Oh. Uh-huh. So I got off the interstate and then like hit eight lanes of, tr- it was God awful. And then it was a slightly underground like parking structure for, the- I yeah. about had 80 heart attacks trying to get to that hotel and it was only like two blocks off That's the like interstate. That's like every bad 80s movie ever. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And then I had to walk to the convention every day. I didn't die though. Well, at least during the day it's okay. It's yeah. just as soon as that sun goes down, you're. It uh, ended like four and then they provided a ride during the night thing so i didn't die during that so that was good that's a plus yeah and at least being across the river it's not as bad over there so for some where the hotel is but like right there by the arch immediately around the arch is okay because it's a state park tourist yeah but two blocks over nah bruh nah like when i went there i was i was seeing this girl over there and um she's like i'm not driving down that road (laughs) Like, well, it says it's only four minutes from here to there. Like, we could be there in no time. Nope. We took a 20-minute detour and went around <laughs> all of that. She's like, I'm not dying. Fuck you, buddy. I was like, like I'm I'm packing. Like, we're, we're good. We can shoot back. She's like, nope. Good Just to know. Kept going and going. A lot of people were like, we're going to go see the arch. And I was like. I'm not driving around here anymore, and I left and just went home. I I went down the two blocks, got back on the interstate, and went home. Well, the arch, like I said, the arch is fine. It's fun. Yes, just, but I would have had to use my GPS to get there having no knowledge of what I was driving through. So During the day, you're fine. I just went home. But she was from there, so she knew exactly yeah. where not to go. And she's like, yeah, we're not doing that. Also, I've been told if you go up the arch pretty, it would make me vomit. So I'm good. I saw it. I got real close. I could even take a selfie with it from the balcony on the hotel. It was all good. Yeah, you would probably vomit in the, in the oh, elevators. Oh, yeah. The little egg-shaped things that rock back and forth. And I, and I hear it, like, when you're up on the top, it sways. There would be much vomiting. I'm good. It I saw it. It sways a little. It's pretty. You don't feel it a lot up there, but 
a I'm little. I'm super sensitive to the motion sickness. It'd be fun to watch that happen. I'm good. Because when you're in the top of the arch, none of the floor is flat. I've heard. It's still like an arch that goes over. <laughs> it's fun. I'm good. But when you're up there, you're like, am I going to fall? Nah, I'm not going to fall. But it can it can hold up like 200 mile an hour winds. I'm aware. But it'll move like 14 inches. I'm aware. One way and then 14 inches back. Yep. That's good times. I dig it. Nope. <laughs> well, like I did the um, the trip to Banff and we went up the gondola. I saw that. That was more creepy than the arch was. Because, I mean, that was 3,000 meters, like straight up. Not doing that either. But worth it. Totally worth it. But you can see out. So it's not like you're just there. You can see everything. I saw your video. Yeah. That, uh, what, 30-second uh, hyperlapse mm-hmm. was a seven-minute ride. That is a long, long time to be in... Um, a ski lift because that's what you're in is a ski lift but at least you know it's it's warm inside of it it's got glass all the way around uh-huh. I mean it so it was it was kind of nice but you're 200 feet above the trees yeah and it does rock a little there's a little bit of not so much side to side just kind of forward and back I'm good and it was it was good times but when it's busy they don't let you go like two at a time they make you go four at a time so you gotta sit in there with people you don't know hmm yeah. Or and, have four people. Yeah. And if your weight distribution is jacked up, well, there you go. And so, and sometimes like families get split up because they have to keep doing like four. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it'll be father and son that goes and then, you know, mom and daughter, if that happens to be their nuclear family that they have, they get split up with different groups of people because of the way it goes. So it's like, ah, that can be fun. But Banff in and of itself was amazing. Just being up there on top of that mountain and seeing everything. These beautiful pictures. Pictures were great and no justice can be done. And that's a great camera. Like, I really, really love that camera. I can take amazing photos. But just being there and seeing it and the thin air and sweating my ass off while freezing at the same time was rough. Um, the air was so thin, like, breathing sucked. It was It was hard. But totally worth it. So what's your favorite place you have traveled to so far? Iceland. Like, bar none, that's super that's easy. Iceland has been fantastic. I hear it's expensive. It is. Um, but for the trip that I was able to take, and if, if people are smart and they contact me first before they go to Iceland, I can set them up with Siggy. Siggy's going to do some tours. Um, and for a small fee, you meet up with Siggy. He picks you up from the airport. He provides you a ride all around the country that you want to go see because he takes off during that time, too. Um, they have uh, some Airbnbs in his city that are up north. He has some other places you can stay in Reykjavik. And, then of course, anywhere else you would go, he would help you so you don't get tourist pricing. Um, make sure that you get all the right spots. He knows where everything is. He's very well-versed in all the stuff going on. And, of course, speaks the language, so that helps a ton, too. And he took me to all the places I wanted to go. There was nothing that I didn't get to do because I was there. Didn't get to meet up with Thor because of a timing issue for Monday. Um, we could have, but I was lifting the Husafell stone. And I was like, well, I'm not passing on the Husafell stone. Thor will be there. Yeah. He'll be back. I'll see that guy later. But the Husafell stone, this is, this is a big deal. I got to do this now. Um, but if you meet up with Siggy, it's not bad. Now, meals, probably the most expensive thing That's there. what I've heard, yeah. But 
if you're eating cheap, you're looking at 20, 25 bucks a meal. So plan accordingly. Look for the buffets because um, usually you get like all you can eat lamb. So that might be a $30 meal. But if it's an all you can eat thing, you can eat once that day and you're good. So if you plan it correctly, it's not too bad. And when I went, my ticket was only like 400 something bucks. Yeah. It's not so much the travel I hear. Mm-hmm. It's the once you're there. Yeah. And again, if you get with Siggy, you don't have to rent a car. You just pay for his fuel, which is not bad, uh, but way more expensive than we pay here. People bitch about gas prices in America. Y'all need to quit bitching. I'm here to tell you. We have some of the cheapest gas prices of any major country around the world. Don't give me this Venezuela shit of 17 cents a gallon because who the hell wants to go to Venezuela in the first place? Go down with, with, with Chavo and get shot? Like get kidnapped? No, nah, I'm good. But any like first world country, we have the cheapest gas. We do. I mean, Canada's close as far as when I was up there. But uh, yeah, we have the cheapest gas. When I filled up his little car in Iceland, it was 100 130 bucks. So you're looking at me now with these eyes that are piercing <laughs> through me. But we drove around for like five days on that. So it was a diesel. It got really good fuel mileage. It's a mm. smaller car. But yeah, it costs 130 bucks to fill it up with the exchange rate and everything else that happened. Like 130. I'm like, well, shit happens. But I got to see some really cool stuff. You did? And because he was driving, I got to look around. Yeah. And it was... It was spectacular. I wish I had taken two weeks. I really do. Because I had the money. I just, I didn't schedule enough time. And I should have. So, for anybody that wants to go to Iceland, call me. I'll hook you up. Hmm. What do you need to know? Sounds good. So, it's always fun. Cold? Uh, It wasn't bad. Um, If you go in the winter, you're going to freeze your ass off. But when I was there in September 50s during the day, um, it got down to the 40s in the evening. Uh, But we still went to the pool which was outdoor, um, and you got in it, the cold water and the hot water. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Well, you saw the ocean the ocean one. I couldn't oh, okay. take my, my phone in like to the public pools. Okay. That's where you go on like your daily trips, like after training. You go to the pool, you get in the hot, and you get out and you get into the cold. Now, the cold water will be 35 to 40 degrees. You get in it for about two minutes, and that's right when you start to get used to it. You're like, okay, I'm good. Then you got to get out. Like shit. Then you get back in the hot water. You sit there like five, ten minutes, and you get back in the cold. Then back in the hot, back in the cold. Why? Um, it's kind of a shock for the body. Increases circulation, helps with muscle soreness. I kind of thought pains. that might be why, but I don't know that it's worth it. Plus, everybody in Iceland does it. Not just people who lift. It's just a normal thing. Ah. Uh. And I look at how many amazing athletes have come out of Iceland. There's a lot of them. Not just strongman, which they have what nine titles yeah nine world strongest man titles out of a country of 330,000 it's kind of a big deal yeah we don't have that many we have 11 but the first three years were kind of a wash because only Americans were invited but in any case yeah that kind of cancels that yeah yeah, it takes away a few of our our titles so within strongman they're probably the most successful country of all time but they were the smallest country to ever make the world cup finals uh, not this last one, but the one before Iceland made it. Um, they have some of the best CrossFitters on the planet. Um, so good practice. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what it is. But the water up there, it's just, it's different. Like, their hot water doesn't come from a water heater. 
Like, your house has a water heater. They don't have that. It's piped in from the city. You get hot water out of the tap from the city. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. There's always a little bit of a sulfur um, feel, smell to it, but it's really good for the skin. And, you know, you kind of get used to the, it's not an odor, but, like, if you've ever had well water, then it's more similar to that. Mm. Um, but it's just, it's a, just a better water. And you can go to any creek, anywhere in the country. You could drink it. It's fine. It's not polluted. Like, it's just good, clean water. It's because they're on top of the environment there. They take really good care from what I've seen. They're like 99% green. Yeah. Like, we, we. We'll, we'll never reach that point. No. But here's the difference, though. They are the size of a small city. Yeah. We are 330 million people. And if you count the Mexicans, probably like 400 million people. Not even going to touch that comment. <laughs> Okay. But no, if, if you if you look at all the people that we have, yeah. there's no way to make everybody happy. No. So me and Siggy... Well, would, we could do many things better. We could, but here's the thing. The majority of, of what pollution is happening in the world is not coming from America. It's really not. It's coming out of our third world countries and China. Mm-hmm. China provides like 80% of the world's pollution for all of our ozone layer stuff, all those other things. Their industrial guidelines, they're destroying this planet. But we're over here all fighting for fucking straws and turtles. We're over here up in arms, freaking out because cows provide 3% of the world's methane for the ozone layer. And I'm like, for all these vegans that are like, oh, we should just stop eating meat and then we won't have all this methane. Oh, man, that's cool. What are we going to do with the cows that we have? Do we just kill them? Do we just let them go free? Where do they go? Are they going to continue to breed? Are we going to sterilize all of them? Or are they going to make more cows? Or are we just going to kill all the cows and let the bodies rot? Because that's going to create way more methane than them eating. So the other part of it is, they don't want to kill a cow, right? Can't kill a cow because, you know, sanctity of life. But large-scale agriculture uh, for every acre of land takes like 30 lives. Uh, rabbits and mice and birds and eggs and fucking snakes and insects and all these all these other living things die because this bitch had to have her soy. Uh, is that, does that seem worth it? Sanctity of life, right? When we're all about life. Are those, you know, 150 lives that died for that acre of corn? Is that worth... I thought it was soy. Soy, corn, what the fuck ever. Alpha, alpha, you know, kale. Who cares? Is it worth that life of that one cow that fed 100 people? Because that acre of soy did not feed 100 people. It fed like six. And now they're growing boobs. Because estrogen. But in any case, is it worth it? Is it really? I mean, I am not that far. On right, the scale. you're 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 not one of the super vegans, thank God. I if, just there are guidelines which we're rolling back and making things worse. Whether or not we, it doesn't matter if we're the worst country doing things, we could still do things better. Right, everybody can do things a little better. Like, so I'm gonna advocate. Like you could get a debit card and pay the pump. 
Not be a douchebag. Do <laughs> Don't be a DJ. Mainly because I'm lazy, and that's easier. Yeah. Well, this guy got his steps in. I tell you what, he really did. Um, but I mean, although I do lock my car because there were people stealing purses from passenger seats while people were filling up yes, their tanks. That is that that is credible. I, I so saw I, that story. I would be the person locking my car. However, I just wouldn't leave. Right. And I have done that. Um, let's see. I was, where was I coming back from? I want to say I was coming back from Virginia. Yeah. I was in Tennessee and I was filling up and I pull up and I see this white um, little ranger sitting next to me. And I see these two guys there. Clearly sketch. Totally methed out. I can see them scratching and wounds in their faces and shit and they're just tweaking. And they're going through this car like they're looking for something that's lost. You know how when you like look for your keys, you check your pockets about 17,000 times? Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, maybe jump back in my pocket. Nope, nope. What is it in the pocket now? No, it's not there. Sometimes it might be in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Let me check that pocket again. And that's what they were doing. And I'm, I'm there and I'm like, these guys are tweaking bad. So I get out of the car. I only unlock the driver's door, which is on my side. So I'm like, I'm getting in control here. But I was like, yeah... That's not working out. So I get out, I pump my gas, and then I lock the car and I go inside. And I saw that that other guy went inside to ask for something. And then I see that the both of them are out there again. And I get up to cashier and I was like, hey, man, uh, what's up with the fucking tweakers over there? He's like, oh, dear God, dude. That dude came in here talking about he lost $300. I should keep an eye out for it. He's like, yeah, I told him I totally would. I hope they leave and they don't cause any problems. I was like, yeah, fucking me too. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm waiting for them to like go over to my car and check to see if the door is unlocked or something. Looking for something because they were straight DJs. But my other favorite thing at the pump is how guys want to talk to women because I don't want to talk to you because I don't know who you are and you should just not talk to me and let me pump my gas and go on about my day. You got people hitting on you at the at, at the gas pumps? And then the fun people who want to ask you for money because they don't have enough but they're driving this giant freaking diesel truck and you go inside and find out they've been there for like 10 minutes and they finally have to go run them off because they, they've in succession asked like 10 people for money. Hmm. Yeah. But they're in diesels. But they're trying to do what they can for the environment because it's better fuel mileage. I, I don't. It's more gooder. I don't know that it was a diesel truck. It was just a giant truck. But anyways, yeah. go yeah. away. Every time somebody comes and asks me, I'm like, oh, man, I'm all out of cash. They're like, well, can you just like swipe your card at the pump? I was like, oh, this is my last um, $10 on this card that I'm putting in my car. So I got to take care of me first. I'm just like, no. Sorry, I have bro. no cash. Sorry. Yeah, I'm out. And they're not, can you, no. No, I ain't doing it. I don't believe any of you anymore. <laughs> Too many people have broken this for it to be credible. Yeah. You know, in the 50s, somebody came and asked you for, you know, a gallon of fuel. Hey, man, no problem. I got you. I will say, I was driving through the park probably a month ago or so. And when you're driving through Mammoth Cave National Park, if there's a car pulled over on the side of the road, it is odd. It's yes. weird. It's not normal. During the day, they might be looking at a deer, or turkey, or something. That's fine. But middle of the night, to see not a car. Not a place you want to be on the side of the road at night. No, because there's no. no cell phone reception. There's no nothing. So I see a car pulled off the side of the road. And it was the wrong side of the road. It wasn't even like with flow of traffic. It was the opposite side. I'm looking. I'm like, this looks weird. This is strange. So I keep driving. I get down to the turn. I turn right, and I'm headed over to... Um, 
you know, to come home. And uh, I see two people by the light of a cell phone walking down the side of the road on, again, the wrong side of the road. That's terrifying in Mammoth Cave. It is because it's really dark there mm-hmm. and there's nothing. So I stop. I'm like, hey, guys, y'all OK? Because I'm positive they came from that car. There's no other place for them to go. There's nothing else out there. They're like, yeah, uh, we ran out of gas. So we're trying to find some. Oh, God. I was like, do you have a gas can? Nah, man. But, you know, if we could get to a store, we could probably we could buy one. I was like, okay. Jump on in. I'll run you up here to the gas station. They close in like 30 minutes anyway, so. You're not going to make it walking. With no, no you're not going to make going. it. And you don't know where you're really headed. So I was like, we'll go up there. And we get in the car and he's like, oh, man, I don't, I don't, fuck, man, I don't, I don't have any, any money. Um, could, could you like spot us a couple bucks? I'm like sure what about the gas can he's like yeah, we don't have that either um shit man like I, we live in like some part of Barron County I'm like dude I've got a gas can at home I'll give you a couple gallons of gas you'll be fine so we come home I get the gas can I hate that I showed him where I live I was like uh this feels sketch I get the gas can I go up to the pumps I put you know two gallons in it I drive him back to where their car is and I fill it up and he knows who I am and he knows who I work for. And he's like, man, if there's any way I can repay, I was like, man, pay it forward, help somebody else, you know, just do that. He's like, oh man, thanks. And then I get behind them when they're pulling, pulling out because I want to make sure, you know, the car's running fine and they're not going to get stranded again. I just leave them and they pull up to the turn where if you turn right, you exit the park. If you turn left, you go towards the visitor center. They turned left. I just said, fuck it. I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. They don't know what they're doing. And I turned right and I went home. Um, <laughs> like, I can only help these, these DJs so far. But he's from like Windyville. Like out there in Windyville. So you already know what those kind of people are like out there. Uh, I don't want to generalize them, but uh, a lot of meth heads. Good chance him and his old lady were on meth when I picked him up. So a little sketch. I don't recommend you pick up anybody like that nope. ever. I don't ever stop. I'm sorry. I'm a woman. Mm. Most of the time I have a kid with me. I just can't. Yeah. I can do that because I'm good. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't recommend you doing that. There's just no sense in putting yourself in harm's way. And you know what? 90% of those people could be totally legit and just need help. But. Mm, yeah, no. You never know. Just never know. My uh, my truck broke down on Christmas Eve. Lug nuts came off the wheel. Great time. And it's right there at the bridge by Corvette plant. And I had to walk over to my nephew's house, which is on the other side of the Corvette Museum, out off Porter Pike. I was like, well, I got to walk. Shit. It's, it's dark. I can't hitchhike because nobody's picking up a six foot tall, 330 pound bearded man. Mm-mm. Nobody's doing that. I got a lot of honks. But uh, that was about it. I was like, well, fuck. So a couple miles in, my back's hurting, my knees hurt. And I get over there and we get in the car and I'm like, dude, it would have been so nice if we could have just like hitchhiked. And I tell my nephew this. I was like, couldn't you like show a leg or something or, <laughs> you know, done like the blowjob move or something to get us a ride? And he's like, nah, bro, we ain't doing that shit. It ain't happening. So. All right. Well, we've hit. About an hour and 43 minutes for this podcast. 
So what's one piece of advice you would just give in general? ATP. Okay. And then tell us about your next upcoming event or whatever you want to promote. Uh, the next thing is Mammoth. Uh, it's going to happen. See, it's the 27th that we're recording this. It probably won't publish for a little bit. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll be just a couple weeks away. Uh, Mammoth is January 25th. Um, it's going to be a huge event. We have a lot of things going on. There's going to be Moss Wrestling, Grip, Strongman, um, Highlander, uh, CrossFit, Powerlifting. We'll have all kinds of stuff going on. A lot of good vendors out there. It's going to be a great venue. Of course, you'll be able to see the Fallon there. She'll be helping take care of scores. Um, I, I didn't think I was doing that again. Yeah, you're definitely doing that. You're always doing that. You have the printer. You have the computer. You're doing all the things. Okay. Yeah. I will have some help for you, though, that is coming in. Uh, I'm flying them in from Florida. There's some good people. They're going to they're gonna hook you up. So you'll have a good buddy over there. Her name's Yvette. I was at the wedding. It was, it was fantastic. It was, it was okay. good times. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's our next event that we got coming up. And then after that, it's all, you know, prep for the Arnold and then more trips. It's time to go to some more places. So what I'd really like to do is hear from our listeners and hear who do they want to hear from? Who do they want to be a guest? Because the world is big. Mm-hmm. Ours is kind of small, but there's a lot of cool people out there. Who do you want to hear from? Because I've found that in talking to people, the majority of them are really receptive to being on the podcast. Um, it doesn't take a lot of coercing or anything else. I can just talk to them. Like, hey, this is what I do. This is what I want to promote. You want to be on the podcast and the majority of the folks say yeah so if you guys want to hear anybody in particular um i know i know we got some good super fans out there like kenny and matt if you guys have anybody that you really want to you know have me talk to hit me up let me know if you got a connection to somebody else that you know you think would be cool to talk to send them to me we'll uh we'll do it we got a few other things in the works i've uh i've put fallon to work on contacting some some higher profile folks, um, mm-hmm. which it, I mean, it's hard to get higher profile than, you know, Dion Wessels, Magnus Vermagnuson. I mean, these are, these are some heavy hitters as far as the strength world. So, um, but let's keep going. Let's Sounds keep going. good. So, all right. So thank you, Fallon, for, you know, using up all your child time on me. Um, <laughs> Cause it's like almost 10 o'clock at night. I'm pretty yeah. sure you turn into a pumpkin at 10, don't you? Probably. Yeah, just straight pumpkin. He's probably still awake, so it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. It'll only take you like two hours to get him to sleep, so it'll be fun. You'll be, you'll be oh, fun. he'll pass out quickly once I'm there. You just have to be he's there. He's tired. I just probably need to be there. Yeah, it's cute when he's five. When he's 20, it's fucking weird. It won't be a problem at 20. Shut up, David. <laughs> I will try not to look at you in that tone of voice anymore. But uh, thank you, Fallon. Um, this has been a ton of fun and it's good to know that I can do most of my life story in an hour and 40 minutes, man. I highly doubt that was most of your life story, but it was a good caption. It was like cliff notes. So, okay. Cliff notes in an hour and 45. I'm good with that. But like true life story, like when you write my autobiography, um, I'm going to take credit for it, but you know, you're going to write it. So Uh otherwise, otherwise it'll be a whole lot of more gooders in there. So. (sighs) All right. Well, thank you guys, and uh, keep listening to H2O Cast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment has been brought to you by Gorilla Strength Equipment. They build the equipment that we all use. They take great pride in what they do and believe wholeheartedly 
things worth doing are worth doing right. Everything they send out, they're proud of, and every single item that comes out of that shop has a lifetime warranty. Just as important as producing heavy-duty quality equipment is providing top-notch customer service. Their number one purpose in life is to make a difference by helping people. Their goal is not to make a transaction with a customer. That doesn't mean shit. It's to create relationships, build friendships, and help people achieve their goals. The home gym craze is really just gone crazy. People aren't wanting to go pay 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks, you know, to go to a gym and spend, you know, several hours of their life there. They're trying to do it in their home. They're trying to do it in the garage, trying to do it in the basement. They're just trying to get it done. So this is a place you want to go to. Gorilla Strength Equipment will make just about anything. The creative mind that David Dennis has is unfathomable. I'd, I've helped him design stuff myself for strongman events. You might have seen our equipment at Mammoth Strength Challenge. You might have seen it at Kentucky Strongest. You might have seen it at the Arnold Amateur World Championships. Last year, we just used the Bubba Bar as the axle deadlift for that championship. Now, we were able to load that bar up to over 700 pounds. There was no flex. None. None whatsoever. And we still had enough room to put another 400 pounds of bumper plates on there. See, they make great stuff. You need it. I need it. I use them all the time. I've got hubs. I've got axles. I've got bars. I've got grip stuff. Everything that you could ever need from Gorilla Strength is there. You need to contact them and let them know. Now, we're running a special deal for you. If you're listening to this podcast, if you use the coupon code H2OCAST, that's H2OCAST, when you do your checkout, you can get a Bubba Bar at the low, low price of $120. That's shipped. That's everything included. That's called you spend $120 and it's going to get delivered to your house. That is fantastic. You're not going to find another deal like that. Now, these are the same bars that we used at the Arnold Championships, the Amateur amateur World Championships. We use these bars. They're fantastic. So if you go online, you go to GorillaStrength.us and you use the coupon code H2OCAST, that's H2OCAST, then you can get these very, very, very special bars for only $120 shipped to your house. Normally, they're $150, so you're getting $30 bucks off. This is a huge discount, everybody. Go and check out David Dennis at GorillaStrength.us.